The Seahawks are officially in sole possession of first place in the NFC West. How did they accomplish it in Los Angeles? I'm going to be breaking down their huge road win over the Chargers on our latest postcast on Locked On Seahawks. You are Locked On Seahawks, your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, 12. This is Corbin Smith, your host for Locked On Seahawks. Thanks for joining me for our weekly postcast. What a game at SoFi Stadium. Aside from a little blip in the second quarter where the Chargers were able to crawl back into the football game, truly a dominant effort on both sides of the football for the Seahawks. Plenty of positives to talk about on our weekly podcast. I will be taking a look at our big winners, our game ball winners, plus three up, three down, our studs and duds from week seven as the Seahawks move into first place by themselves in the NFC West. Who would have thought at this stage of the season that we could say that, but certainly an impressive performance by Pete Carroll's crew today in Los Angeles. Looking forward to breaking it down. And as always, thanks for making Locked on Seahawks your first listen five days a week. All right, let's get to it here. Our lead story, the Seahawks at four and three are in first place by themselves in the NFC West after dispatching the Chargers 37 to 23 at SoFi Stadium. And honestly, it didn't feel that close. A late touchdown by the Chargers made it a two-score game. But really, Seattle, aside from a blip in the second quarter, really dominated this game throughout. It might have been the most impressive win the Seahawks have had since I've been on the beat the last four years. In terms of expectations coming out and really setting the tone in the trenches, the secondary playing well. And there were so many questions about the defense. Can they replicate what they did against Arizona Cardinals in week six, holding them to just three points? They weren't able to quite do that. But to go to Los Angeles, a place the Seahawks have really struggled. They're one in five in L.A. under Coach Pete Carroll going into this game. For them to go out and set the tone the way they did defense, get a bunch of early stops. And that included a four and out after Geno Smith threw an interception on the opening drive. For them to just come out and then get four stops there, get the Chargers off the field without any points, that was a huge win early that I think really gave this football team confidence. And really, to me, that's the storyline here. We're going to have plenty of time to talk about Ken Walker the third and his heroics. And Geno Smith, again, played really well. The offensive line, I thought, had a really solid game. They were getting contributions from unsung heroes. But to me, it's all about this situational football on defense for the Seahawks today that really won this football game for them. You look at the stats, second straight week, that the Seahawks were dynamic on third down. The Chargers went just five for 15. It felt like they were in Justin Herbert's face all afternoon. Now, that only netted three sacks, but against Herbert, that's a lot. He'd only been sacked seven times in the first six games, and they were able to get him down three times. He was hit a bunch of other times, pressured a bunch of other times, and he was able to escape plenty of them, but most of the time it did not lead to big plays. He was getting passes off while being dragged down, and they were falling incomplete. Herbert looked like, to me, he's maybe still a little bit dogged by his rib injury, but the Seahawks were able to shut down their offense most of the day, held him one for three on fourth down, including the opening possession, stuffing Austin Eckler. That four and out, to me, again, it was a huge tone setter. After that Geno Smith interception, that was debatable whether their defender was there too early. I don't think that that was a bad throw by Geno. Sometimes you just have misfortune, but the Seahawks defense was able to back him up, get off the field without giving up any points. They gave up or had five consecutive punts that they 
forced in the second half. That included after Ken Walker III was corralled for a safety. At that point, the looked like, you know, maybe the Chargers, the Chargers are going to find a way to make this an interesting game in the second half. But again, the Seahawks coming up with stops when they needed them. And I thought what was maybe most impressive, it's 17-0. The Chargers scored two touchdowns early in the second quarter. They cut it to three points. Seattle's able to get a stop at the end of the half, and they're able to get one at the start of the half when the Chargers have the football first to begin the third quarter. I thought that was huge in this game. And again, every time there was adversity in this game, the Seahawks answered the call. That boils down to Pete Carroll, the leadership of the coaching staff, following Geno Smith. He wasn't going to get flustered at all in this football game. And following your veterans on defense, I thought Bruce Irvin had a very tangible effect already. You could see him against the run. He was a big part of the reason the Chargers averaged under three and a half yards per carry in this game. It had just 53 rushing yards as a team. That's the kind of performance that fans have been looking for on defense. So really, to me, it was all about situational football. They shut down the run game. Austin Eckler had a seven-yard touchdown run, and otherwise he was extremely quiet, caught a few passes out of the backfield. Gerald Everett had one play where he broke a tackle, I think, from every player in Seattle's defense. But you take those plays out of the equation, again, it was a really strong outing on defense. And giving up 23 points, two of those were on a safety for Ken Walker III. One of those touchdowns was scored deep in their own territory, starting the position after D. Eskridge botched a pitch from Geno Smith. So the defense was put in a really bad spot there, weren't able to get the stop. But otherwise, they were fantastic, forcing a ton of punts in this football game, playing great football in terms of situations. And I thought that really set the tone for the Seahawks. You could tell how excited Pete Carroll was after the game about that because early in the year when they were really struggling to give up points, the biggest problem was they couldn't get off the field. And they were struggling with third down. The pass rush coming to life, have better having better third down situations because the run defense is better on first and second down. You couple those things together with better tackling overall and just the defense playing more inspired football, playing with greater confidence. The young guys continue to get better week in and week out. Kobe Bryant had an interception that got called back on what I thought was a questionable offsides penalty against Uchenna Nuosu late in the game, and they ended up scoring on the next play. These young guys just keep stepping up, and you've got a few veterans there. Again, Bruce Irvin coming in, I think, is a big deal from a leadership standpoint. You can already see that in the field. This defense, now it's starting to look like they really are turning the corner because the Chargers did have Keenan Allen back. They were closer to full strength in this football game, and yet the Seahawks were still able to shut them down for the most part, build that 17-point lead, and then after the – became three points again they were able to extend it back to two or three scores several times in the second half and so that really boils down to the defense i'm gonna have plenty of positives to say about the offense coming up later in the show because obviously when you score 37 points you're doing something right you take that 49ers loss in week two out of the picture and this offense has been explosive in almost every other game even last week in the cardinals game 19 points wasn't a lot but They were effective enough to go down and get field goals in a game where it was truly defensive. They made enough plays. They didn't do that in that week two loss at Santa Clara. So now four and three, first place by themselves. The Rams were off this weekend. They're in second place at three and three. The 49ers get blasted by the Chiefs. They're three and four. The Cardinals are three and four. Still a very tight division, but Seattle's on top this late in the season. I don't think very many people thought that that was going to be happening. Even people inside the Seahawks locker room, I don't know if they thought at this stage of the season they'd be in first place. So this is a team that's on the upswing, their first winning streak of the 2022 season. A lot of that boils down to that situational football on defense and being explosive in the passing and running game. 
on offense. I'm going to be diving into that a bit more here coming up as I dish out my weekly game balls on offense, defense, and special teams after an exciting win for the Seahawks, a 37-23 victory against the Chargers. I'll be getting to those game balls coming up here next on our Locked on Seahawks postcast. All right, here's a sports analogy for you. When it comes to burglars, your home is like the end zone and you need the absolute strongest defense you can muster. This is why I use and trust Simply Safe Home Security. At Simply Safe, your safety is the only thing that matters. They've got cutting edge technology powered by 24 7 professional monitoring agents who always have your back. So you always know your home is safe. Simply Safe keeps my home safe with the best technology available, including the ability to control my system from my phone, watch my security cameras in crystal clear HD and use a variety of high-tech sensors for the best quality protection. And the best part, you get 24-7 professional monitoring. Simply Safe's agents call you the moment a threat is detected and dispatch police or first responders in an emergency, even if you're not home or can't be reached. Customize the perfect system for your home in just a few minutes at simplysafe.com slash NFL. Save 20% on your Simply Safe security system when you sign up for an interactive monitoring plan and get your first month free. Visit simplysafe.com slash NFL to learn more. There's no safe like Simply Safe. You're listening to our weekly postcast edition of Locked On Seahawks. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. As always, thanks to all the 12s out there for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We greatly appreciate it. The Seahawks picking up a huge road win in L.A. They hadn't won in Los Angeles for several years going down and beating the Chargers pretty handily. It was a bit of a beatdown, 37-23 victory at SoFi Stadium, and it moved the Seahawks into sole possession of first place in the NFC West. 4-3, and three, not something many people were expecting entering the Geno Smith era, but this offense continues to be potent. They're putting a lot of points on the board, and now the defense is catching up back-to-back. Impressive outings for a young group that's really starting to come together. Let's get to our game balls. And this is the player I'm most excited to talk about, not just because I'm a running back enthusiast, but just because Kenneth Walker III, what a game that he had. His second start, career high, 168 rushing yards. This one's an easy selection for me. Geno Smith had a good game. They got some great contributions from Marquise Goodwin, but Walker averaged almost eight yards per carry in this game. And you got to see his entire skill set at work, his speed, his explosiveness, his suddenness, the ability to make something out of nothing. That's probably the thing that excites me the most about this kid, the ability to create hidden yardage. And you're not going to see that in a box score. And I asked Pete Carroll about that after the game today, and he gushed. And obviously he went out and said that was a terrific draft pick. So, you know, you can say what you want. Maybe he looks on Twitter, people that were questioning that draft pick back in April in the second round, picking Walker. But now it looks like an absolute home run. And this kid's like a Bugatti when he gets onto the freeway, when he gets into running lanes and he just turns on the Jets. His 74-yard touchdown in the fourth quarter, that really put the Chargers away. It iced this football game. It was the nail in the coffin. And that was just one of those plays. We saw that speed in New Orleans a few weeks ago where he gets to the outside. He's got two tight ends and Kobe Parkinson and Will Disley out in front of him blocking, and he just turns on the afterburners. And I don't even know that the Chargers defenders that were coming at him thought they were taking bad angles, but it ended up being bad angles because he just shot past them. And then once he is past them, he is gone. You're not going to catch him going over 22 mile per hour, the fastest ball carry in the NFL so far this year, according to NFL Next Gen Stats. He had a 12-yard touchdown in the first half where he ran through the teeth of the defense and again left defenders gasping for air. It was just an incredible performance by him and just 
the, a number of runs. He's one of those rare running backs. You don't say this often, but he's one of those running backs where a two or three yard run can be must see TV. I can't tell you how many times these first three weeks that we have seen that these first three games, he's had a lot of playing time Two starts played a lot in new Orleans, filling in for Rashad Penny after he went down the number of plays where he has been pinned in the backfield. And there's been times that he's been brought down back there. Hasn't been able to escape, but more times than not, he is finding ways to evade tacklers. He's finding ways to break tackles and he's just, his jump cuts are filthy and the number of, ankles that he has dislocated with those juke moves it has been a sight to behold and so it just his magician work as a running back that has maybe been the most impressive thing and then close second to the ability to hit home runs which he's been able to do each of the last three games two really long touchdown runs and again that one put the Chargers away they were almost done but Still felt like they were sort of in the game, not after that point. That really sealed the deal, and you could tell the Chargers' defense wore down in part because they'd been trying to tackle him all day, and that's not a fun experience. Like Ryan Hill said, uh, that is not an experience that he's had to deal with, and he's thankful for that, but opponents are certainly not enjoying having to try to tackle Ken Walker the third. What a performance for him, and he's already looking – like a budding superstar in Seattle's backfield. Speaking of Ryan Neal, on the defensive side of the ball, this is another one that was pretty easy for me, even though there were a number of players that I could have considered for the defensive game ball. Neal continues to make a major impact. Today had four pass breakups, had an interception in the first quarter that set up Seattle's second touchdown, second on the team with seven tackles. I was trying to look back in the game and think, was there a play that stood out to me that he made a mistake or a missed tackle or whatever? And I didn't have any. Of course, I can go back and watch the All-22. Maybe there was a play out there that he would have liked to have back. But I thought this was Ryan Neal's best game as a pro. He was all over the field. And every time that Justin Herbert was trying to thread the needle to a receiver down the field, it felt like number 26 was there to get his hand on the football, at least break it up. And in the one case, intercepted, just flying all over the place. They didn't use him as a blitzer much in this game. Really, they were not aggressive blitzing at all. It felt like they were rushing four five at the most, most of this football game, and they were still having success getting after Justin Herbert. But really, Ryan Neal's playing great football. And Josh Jones is still out there playing a handful of snaps and nickel and dime sets. And I think he is playing better too. But Ryan Neal, to me, was the catalyst on defense for this football team, doing a number of different things for the Seahawks, moving him all over the formation, flying to the football. He was involved in the run game. He was involved in the passing game, all those pass breakups, as well as the interception. So I think this was a great performance for Ryan Neal. And the move to put him back in the starting lineup is really paying dividends. And like I said, Josh Jones is playing better. I think the situational role better fits him than being a full-time starter. I think his confidence was a little bit shaken early in the season too. So making some positive plays for him, that's building his confidence back up. And he can be a key contributor for the Seahawks. But Ryan Neal is a starter. That has been a great move for the Seahawks, getting him back in the lineup. And you can just tell he fits the mold of a leader as well. His teammates feed off of his energy and his personality. He's a great post-game interview as well. He says that it is. And he plays that way. That's just the way he carries himself as a former undrafted rookie signee that almost quit the game a few years ago, stuck with it. The Seahawks are sure happy that he did with Jamal Adams being out. He's filling the void once again, playing at a very last but not least on special teams. I'm going to stick with the Jason Myers flavor third time in four games. And why not? He's continuing to get the job done as a place kicker for the Seahawks booted a 50 yard field goal today was perfect. Three for three 
also made all of his extra points. He's had a few misses this season. He's missed one extra point, but I mean, really, for the most part, this has been a fantastic season, and I don't know what it is for Jason Myers. I've mentioned this on this podcast multiple times over the past few months that he is such a different player in even years than odd years. Odd seasons, he really seems to struggle, and then even years. 2018, he made the Pro Bowl with the Jets. 2020, didn't miss any field goals for the Seahawks, and he broke their record for the most consecutive field goals made in franchise history. Last year, had another really rough season, and some wondered if they might replace him. He has been excellent this year. He's getting the job done. He's making long field goals consistently. That's a game changer. He's just been very reliable. So it's nice to see that he is back playing at his very best, and that's helped the Seahawks a lot. So far this season, getting to a four and three record, there were a lot of miscues on special teams again in this game. I think Pete Carroll's probably going to look back, and that's the one area that he still has to be concerned about because the defense is putting everything together. The offense put up 37 points in this game. They passed the ball over the Chargers. They ran the ball over the Chargers. But special teams, you had some penalties and some missed tackles, had some injuries. Nick Bloor being out, they're hopefully not going to be missing him very long, no more than a game with a concussion, but uh, that's a significant loss. Special teams are the one area that they're really trying to still shore up and get some consistency from, but the one bright spot there, Michael Dixon punted well when they needed him to today. Not a lot of times they needed that today, but Jason Myers has been super reliable for them, and that's a big deal for the Seahawks special teams moving forward. Coming up next, weekly three up, three down. Studs and duds coming out of this game. When you win on the road this convincingly, it's difficult to find duds, but certainly going to try to keep with what I do every week. Three players that have the stock go up, three players that have their stock go down. We're going to get to those coming up next year in a moment on our Locked on Seahawks postcast. BetOnline.net is your number one source for football betting info this season. Find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news, postcasts, and in-depth articles and analysis on every game you can find. And as always, BetOnline remains your continued source for all your sports wagering information. With live betting and up-to-the-minute scores for every sport out there, the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite games and events, including Major League Baseball, MMA, boxing, and golf, head to BetOnline.net or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline where the game starts. You're listening to our weekly Locked On Seahawks postcast. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. Special thanks to all the 12s out there, especially here late in the evening on game day for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We greatly appreciate it. Make sure for your second listen to check out the Peacock and Williamson NFL show. Brian Peacock and former NFL scout Matt Williamson give you the expert NFL analysis in less than 30 minutes. It's free and it's available wherever you get your podcast. All right, let's get to our weekly three up, three down, our studs, our duds. Not a lot of those when you're talking about a win that was this convincing, putting up 37 points, playing great defense, and moving to sole possession of first place in the NFC West. That's what the Seahawks did today with their upset win on the road over the Chargers. Without further ado, let's get to three up. And I will tell you, this was the toughest game for me to select just three players here, and I might hint at a few other guys that just missed there's going to be a lot of positives coming out of this game. we got to start at the receiver position, Marquise Goodwin. And I'll say this right now. We don't know much about DK Metcalf's situation. And so that's why I haven't referenced it to this point. But what we do know is that DK Metcalf's uh, x-rays were negative. 
So that's the good news. There's not any broken bones or anything like that, but he's going to need an MRI, some other scans coming up here in the next day or two. So we don't know what the severity of his knee injury is, but when he went down, Marquise Goodwin had already caught one touchdown in the football game, and then he comes right back, five foot nine receiver, skies in the air. J.C. Jackson getting hurt on that play. That was certainly difficult to watch. There's no question about it. Best wishes to him and his recovery. That looked brutal. Had to be carted off the field. He might have been able to jump up and make a play on that ball, but we don't know that. It was still a great throw by Geno Smith, an even better catch by Marquise Goodwin, skying up and catching the football for his second touchdown. Both of his scores were more than 20 yards in this game. His first one came on a third and long situation. You can just see the chemistry between him and Geno Smith. It is getting better each week, and now he's going to get the opportunities. Because Tyler Lockett, as well as he played in this game with an injury, I thought he had some really clutch catches in the second half. I considered putting him here because of his health not being at 100%, but he was not 100%. You didn't have DK Metcalf, and Goodwin stepped up to the occasion, led the team with 67 receiving yards on four receptions, had those two touchdowns, had another one that he ended up picking up more than 20 yards and got a first down on the same drive. He scored his first touchdown. So he came through with some huge catches in this game and you know that Geno Smith is going to be able to rely on him. Proven veteran, very liked player in the locker room, still has 4-3 speed even at this stage of his career. So really nice game for Marquise Goodwin, and I think he's going to build off of that. This is this is a great development for the Seahawks. They've been looking for that number three receiver that can step up consistently, and there have already been flashes for Goodwin, but this was easily his biggest game so far. First time with two touchdowns in the game since way back in 2018, when he was still a member of the 49ers. Next on my list, going to the defensive side of the football, and this is the second week in a row, I believe, that Daryl Taylor has been on this list. I have to include him because he was my runner-up for defensive player of the game. Now, he only had a couple of tackles in this game, but the strip sack that he had on Justin Herbert in the late first quarter was one of the coolest plays that I have seen in an NFL game. And like he said in his post-game uh, press conference afterward, it was beautiful how the football ended up just bouncing right back up into his hands after he strip-sacked Herbert, ends up returning it inside the 20-yard line. The Seahawks only got a field goal off of that, but it was 17-0 after that turnover, and the Seahawks looked like they were going to run away with this football game. Of course, the Chargers ended up making it interesting on a couple occasions, got within three points midway through the second quarter with two quick touchdown drives. But Taylor is starting to play like I anticipated that he was going to in a more situational role right now. We're seeing him play with more confidence. I thought he played much better against the run today when he had his opportunities so maybe having Bruce Irvin there, that's already having that impact on him because Irvin early in his career really struggled defending the run and setting the edge. And he's become a very good player as his career has gone on defending the run. That is an area he worked very hard at early in his career, became proficient in it. Even at 35 years of age, Bruce Irvin's still playing the run well. So that's rubbing off on Daryl Taylor. Taylor mentioned that after the game, seeing the way that he defends the run. He can learn from that and really struggled early, but now we're seeing those splashy strip sacks. I think he's got three of them now this year. When he's getting to the quarterback, he isn't just getting sacked. He's forcing fumbles, and when you can have a guy that consistently does that off the edge with the elite first step that he's got the quickness upfield, that can be a real problem for opposing offenses. So I'm happy to see number 52 playing the way that I thought he was going to play, getting benched 
again, sometimes less is more with players like Taylor being more of a situational pass rusher. He seems to be benefiting immensely from that. And he could still be a starter down the line, especially as I mentioned, if he can learn from Bruce Irvin, who really has evolved as his career has gone on to being a much better all around football player that can play defensive end and outside linebacker and capping off my three up on the defensive side of the football in the interior. I think you could have named a number of guys here. Uh, I thought Puna Ford, even with his foot injury played well again, Quentin Jefferson was really disruptive, had a sack, but I've got to give Shelby Harris some credit here because he's battled some injuries early in the season. He has still played at a really high level coming over to a new team, even with them changing some things. Saying it's not shifts, some significant schematic here going on, and that's helped the defense. Harris, it hasn't mattered. He's just been disruptive. Today had two pass breakups at the line scrimmage. He had a quarterback hit on Justin Herbert, several pressures. He was a big part of the reason that the Chargers could not run the football at all in this football game, holding up in the trenches. So there's a lot of things that aren't going to show up in the box score for him, but he still had some big plays that do show up in the box score. And I think 93 has been a really nice pickup. Again, another thing that's making this Russell Wilson trade look very lopsided in Seattle's favor at this point, that they're getting contributions from two of the veteran players that they got back in return along with the two rookies that they drafted with picks from the Denver Broncos. Again, it looks like a very lopsided trade. Geno playing well, you name it. Uh, the Seahawks right now, big winners in that trade still very early, but we'll see what happens on that front. For right now, they got to be loving how things have played out as a result of that trade. Now going to the three down segment, just going to throw this caveat here. There were certainly some players that struggled today. Uh, but trying to find three, you, know, you might find there's a few guys I'm nitpicking a little bit or might have been missed opportunities. That's not the case with the first one here, though. I don't want to pick on D. Eskridge because he was on the three up last week. This is a player that had a really good game a week ago. But unlike Marquise Goodwin, he did not step up today when DK Metcalf got hurt. He fumbled away that pitch from Geno Smith that led to a Chargers touchdown in the second quarter got a little bit banged up on that play, only had one catch for zero yards. They have got to find a way to get more consistency out of him. Now, I will give him one thing. He had a child born on Friday. He's had a pretty hectic weekend here. So that may have played into this, and that's totally understandable. But at the same time, this kid is too talented to be struggling as he has to find consistency and making the mistakes that he's making. And if DK Metcalf is going to miss any time with a knee injury, they absolutely need number one to rise to the occasion, do what he did last week and give them some first down catches, make some yardage after the catch. Only had one nice jet sweep today. They've got to find ways to get him more involved, and he's got to earn those opportunities. He's got to earn the trust from Geno Smith consistently. And so this was a step back after taking big steps forward last week. Still think that he is trending in the right direction, but uh, that's not the performance that they were looking for from him today. And it ended up setting up the Chargers for some points that the Seahawks probably wouldn't have given up otherwise. Meanwhile, on the defensive side of the football, Cody Barton did not play poorly in this football game for the most part, but he makes it on this list because two of the biggest mistakes for the Seahawks defensively today happened with him at the center of it. And the first one touched down to Mike Williams that made it 17-14. Tariq Woolen was in trail behind him. I have to go back and watch the play. I think Woolen did get beat across the field, but Cody Barton had a chance to at least make the tackle there. And he saw Williams and then turned and had his back facing towards the receiver as he was coming towards him, got locked onto a block with a receiver. 
You cannot have that happen. So that was a big red mark on his game. He also allowed a late touchdown, a garbage time touchdown to Austin Eckler's receiver at the goal line. So he made some nice plays in the run game. He contributed to them holding Eckler down. But at the same time, he gave up that second touchdown. And I think it's not going to get charged to him probably on pro football focus, but I would charge him and park that touchdown to Williams because he didn't even get off the block to try to make a tackle. He's been very inconsistent this year and you got to figure out how to eliminate some of those plays, those mind numbing plays that seem to come up every single week. And it was unfortunate in a game where a lot went right for the Seahawks defensively that those mistakes were still being made. And last on this list, I mentioned there'd be a player that played well, but missed on some opportunities. And so I'm going to put Mike Jackson on here because Jackson entered this game without any interceptions, but he's played well enough to keep his starting job. Sidney Jones hasn't been able to take that from him. Artie Burns has been injured, so he hasn't really been able to take that from him. Jackson's played pretty well in his first time as a full-time starter across from Tariq Woolen, but he had two opportunities. Justin Herbert was gift-wrapping interceptions for him today, and I'm sure number 30 was kicking himself again. I think he played well, but, man, he could have been much better. He could have picked off both those passes. He could have doubled his output for the rest of the season. Herbert wanted him to throw or wanted him to intercept him. He was gift wrapping him. And so it's unfortunate. Again, those are plays in a game like this, you're nitpicking, but those could have been some big turnovers of the Seahawks. They had opportunities that they didn't take advantage of, even in a game where the defense played really well. So Mike Jackson's playing well. Don't get me wrong, but I know that he's going to be watching the tape and feel like, man, I had two interceptions in my hands and couldn't hold on to them. And those are opportunities that as a corner you want to take advantage of, and he wasn't able to. Otherwise, played well, tackled well, good coverage, did a really nice job helping contain the receivers on the outside. But man, some missed opportunities that you know he's going to want back. As always, you can follow me on Twitter, Corbin Smith NFL. You can check out Locked on Seahawks on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and of course, streaming five days a week on YouTube. Coming up tomorrow, I'll be rejoined by Rob Rang for Monday Musings. The two of us will break down more in-depth takeaways coming out of today's victory in Los Angeles and much more. You won't want to miss it. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday night. Thanks for listening in. Go Hawks.